0: I think as an entrepreneur, when you have a vision for something and you decide you're going to go get
1: it, Mm -hmm. you just put blinders on and you go at it. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're listening on a smart speaker or website, make sure to find me on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We're momming today with Susan Feldman, co-founder of One Kings Lane, luxury home decor company, and the founder of the website Get In The Groove, which is a destination for women, dare I say it, older than 50. If you're older than 50, you're like a dinosaur these days, Susan. That just doesn't seem right. But right. we, we actually say age-defined. We, num-
0: <laughs> we, we don't use a number anymore. We, we call her age-defined. Age-defined. So yeah. what what would that number be, though? I mean, I think it's, you know, if we had to put a number to it, I would say it's 50-ish. 50-ish. Yeah, yeah. We start around 50-ish. We onboard people in their 40s. It's 50 to our core demographics, 50 to 65.
1: It's so interesting because I I try to remember my parents um, at, at going to college. They were in their 50s and I, they looked older. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're <laughs> listening, but they did. Yeah. And then I see some of my girlfriends who have turned 50 and I'm like, whoa! you don't look like my mom looked at 50 and I I just think there's been this renaissance recently. Yeah. I mean,
0: we we this generation, we are a generation of women that are healthier, wealthier and just more engaged than any other, you know, generation before us. And so there's a lot changing where of course everything's changing, but I think for this demographic is a lot happening right now. So
1: why are you being ignored? It's such a good
0: question.
1: (laughs) Um, You know, I
0: think, well, obviously there's an obsession around, you know, millennials. I think as a society, we're super obsessed with youth. Um, And I think as a result of that, uh, marketers and advertisers have really, you know, made a conscious decision to ignore uh, this demographic. And I I think it's got deep roots also. I think back in the day, you know, sort of madman advertising days, Which is probably more true back then. It's like, if you use Crest toothpaste, you Mm -hmm. know, by the time you turned 50, you weren't changing to Colgate. And so marketers stopped basically advertising to you because you were pretty locked and loyal, locked, (laughs) locked and loaded on your loyalty, brand loyalties. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, there's a little bit of a carryover from that also. So I think that combined with this obsession that we have now as a society around millennials and youth, those two things combined have made, uh, we're really pretty underserved demographic.
1: Right. Well, and millennials particularly, but mo- most generations, I-, I think, are showing a lot of companies that they have to have um, a social element. They have to be responsible. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, brands have to evolve. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Because our loyalty isn't so loyal anymore. Um, when you think about it, so for our listeners, I just kind of want to describe what you look like. Oh. <laughs> Okay. okay. So you're fifty-ish. You no, have on, no, I'm sixty-ish. Actually, I'm sixty-four. 60-ish. One would never know. You have this beautiful strawberry blonde hair. Thank you. Wearing um, very cool black rimmed glasses. A mm-hmm. little bit cat eye. A yeah. little um, bit square cat eye. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um You stacked your gold necklaces. Right. Black long sleeve shirt, high waisted sort of paper bag, right. Khaki pants and leopard Birkenstocks with rhinestones. Yes, I mean, <laughs> you and you're a grandmother, correct? I am. So too, come yeah. on, how 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 cool are you? Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but I feel good. <laughs> I feel good. What is it like to age in 2019?
0: Um, I think.
1: Listen, aging.
0: Just in general is not easy. I mean, you know, we always say this is an eight, getting old is not for sissies. For sure. <laughs> it's hard. Things start to not work as well. Things break down. But like I said before, I think we're all doing everything we can to eat better, take better care of ourselves. Uh, and I think that's exciting, you know, to be you know, like, I'm 64. I don't feel it. I don't think a lot of women who are over 50 feel their age. Uh, and I think, This is like an amazing time in my life. You know, I'm at this point where my kids are grown. I have grandkids. I have a fantastic husband. And I'm sort of looking at this as a second part of my story, you know, what I'm doing and what I want to do. How old are the grandkids? Uh, Just turned one and almost four. Okay. So
1: for the four-year-old, quite honestly, if you do school drop-off or something, they might mistake you for (laughs) that. I don't think so. No, really. You you said this earlier where a society – obsessed with youthfulness and being young why is that i mean that that could be a whole other podcast i think
0: but you know i think just i mean look at what's going on around us i think it's just an evolution that's happened through you know hollywood and social media Mm -hmm. and you know the type of celebrities that we you know sort of that that I'd say our culture seems to care about it. It's very youthful driven, but I think it's starting to change. And I do too. There's a lot of really cool older women, and, at, you know, get in the groove. That's one of the, my goals is to try to change that conversation and actually shine a light on some of these women. I mean, I, every day I meet the coolest women that are like 50 plus, and they're doing an really I mean, um, okay, so there's. Um, Oh my God, there's so many women. But there's a woman, Shelley Zalas. She's super successful. She sold her company. I think it was an advertising company. And she decided really to you know, start something, she started putting these lounges in all the big conferences that are for women because, you know, men always had a place kind of to go, but there was never a place for women. Uh, I think they're called girl lounges and this has exploded to a huge business and she's become like a huge proponent of, you know, women's rights and all that type of stuff. And she's, she's awesome. And she's just, you know, she's a force to, to be reckoned with. Um, there's just, you know, people that you know, people that you don't know. And we're trying to, you know, find a combination of those people and, you know, bring them front and forward. A lot of the people that are behind the scenes, like we just recently interviewed um, a makeup artist who's like one of the key makeup artists for Chanel. She's gorgeous. You know, she works with a lot of celebrities, but she's the woman who's making those people look great. But she's beautiful herself, you know, inside and out. Right. Um,
1: you. We were talking about aging and I found recently a lot lot of celebrities in general but other people too there's this all natural look mm-hmm. you know it used to be a few years ago the heavy contouring the yeah. the big brows right. the cat liner and I, I feel like now we're kind of unmasking a little bit and all natural yeah we're close to it i know you never want to see me all natural however but it's becoming a, a trend to kind of just take some of right of of the makeup off and maybe accept where well, we are is I mean, who we are. For women. my demographic,
0: mm-hmm. it's it's way better look anyway. Like we we actually, you know, all the people we talked to a lot of makeup artists and people like that and you know what you what happens is you get older, you think, "Oh, I should maybe put more on to cover mm-hmm. cover those wrinkles, cover those spots, whatever it is." But actually the truth of the matter is it's like less is more. Less and is I, more. and I think it's such a good hashtag for everything actually. You know, you just don't need what you did, you know, before.
1: And the other thing is talking about, you know, maybe being a demographic that's somewhat or very much ignored by marketers, uh, you're the ones with the money. Totally. You have the great jobs. I mean, You've raised the families, and now you have the time. Yeah. Well, here's the crazy thing. So this
0: demographic, when I started thinking about um, creating Get in the Groove, I started doing research. So the this demographic is almost as big as the millennial demographic. They own 70% of the wealth in this country. They're on the verge of doubling that wealth over the next 20 years through inheritance. And OK, here's the kicker. They shop 250% more than any other demographic.
1: Nice. Yeah. And it's for everything. It's for the grandkids. It's for the kids. It's for the house. It's yeah. for themselves. It's it's the work clothes, the workout clothes. It's, it's everything. And she's, she's vacations. And she's a second deci- house. And she's a decision
0: maker. She's yeah. the one who makes a lot of the decisions in the household around big purchases. Also, and yet to your point, you know we're not really being spoken to or talked to by marketers and advertisers, which I do believe is starting to slowly change. I think yeah. that they, they know it. They know the money's out there, but I think you know they worry about. You know, what's coming up behind that? You know, yeah. that's why they continue to focus on millennials who don't have money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and a lot to complain about. Yeah. Millenn- you know, I, I've been saying this recently. So millennials can be an annoying generation. I'm on the cusp. I, I don't consider myself an, a millennial, but it could be argued that I am. Um, I'm cuspier. Gen Z, so the younger yeah, generation, the younger, yeah. I actually like that generation. You more. do. Why? I think they're more socially aware. I think they're more mindful I think they've seen their parents go through the financial crisis, for instance. So they're mm-hmm. changing the way they think about uh, look at money, look at the world. Yeah, they think they might be a a little bit of a the generation you beat up less on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's remarkable about you is that you are the co-founder of One Kings Lane, yeah. which is this luxury home decor company, which you sold to Bed Bath and Beyond. We did a few three years, years ago. ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Not only did you launch a company, you did so in the middle of the financial crisis. I know.
0: Crazy, right? Why? How? (laughs) You know, I think as an entrepreneur, when you have a vision for something and you decide you're going to go get it, Mm -hmm. you just put blinders on and you go at it. And I think, you know, I mean, in hindsight, I see now that actually in financial crisis times, there are always business opportunities. I don't think I clearly understood that. You know, I didn't say, oh, it's a huge recession right now. I'm going to go start a business. What I said is that there's an opportunity. Nobody's selling interesting, unique things for the home. I can't find what I want online. It's not there. So let me go create that. And I put blinders on. And sure, we understood it's a recession. We didn't try to go you know, raise any capital because we knew that would be a waste of our you time. You didn't raise any capital. No, we boots Strapped the business initially. We did raise capital later on, but when we started the business, um, so it was your own money and your partner's money. My partner Ali Pinkus and I we both put in a little bit of money, and I mean it was a little bit of money, and said, "Okay, this is it. We're going to go for it with this amount of money." And we, you know, ran really fast. So we formed our LLC in November 2008. The height, like go back and look at the headlines, it was crazy. What was going on? It looked like the world was coming to an end financially. Um, and within five and a half months, we got the business up and running. We launched One Kings Lane in March 2009. And it was a, you know, it was just one of those special things. It was like letting a genie out of the bottle. The minute we launched, it just like took off like lightning. And why?
1: What did you do to make it so special? I think it was how a, did you talk to the customer? Yeah, think, and the customer was a woman, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, it was yeah, 90. We said, we called her she. It was
1: like
0: 95% <laughs> women. Um, You know, I think, listen, there's a lot of great ideas out there. And I think it's a question of execution. And I think we present, we we were one of the first people actually out there that curated what we did. So that was interesting. So you didn't show up in in a world where, uh, you know, maybe people were starting to get used to shopping on Amazon, which is amazing. But you, you know, that's a different kind of shopping, right? You go there, you know what you're looking for, you put it in you you know, mm-hmm. check out maybe find some other things. This was a different sort of experience that we created for people and I think everyone really loved it. So we curated it. We were storytellers very early on. And this was kind of pre social media taking it. It was as there well. no Instagram. We launched oh, before true. Instagram, which is yeah. like it was crazy when you think about that. Yeah. Instagram launched, I think, a y- in two thousand and ten. Mm-hmm. So we were out for about a year. I mean Facebook was out there, but no no Instagram, Twitter, none of that Why'd stuff. Why'd you sell? Um, I think the business had gotten to a point uh, where it felt like it needed, like, it needed to kind of go to the next level, which we felt was, uh, stores. You know, you've seen this happen a lot now with direct to consumer brands. Mm Um, and I think we felt like that was something that we needed to do. And Bed Bath and Beyond, you know, obviously has a lot of stores. They have a lot of expertise in real estate. We had not very much. And it just felt like it made, made sense at the, at the time. I mean, they're, they're tough decisions. And, but the good news is we have a store now in Soho, which is fantastic. Mm. I think there's more. I mean, I'd say we. I have nothing to do with the company now, but I still obviously feel very much that you know part of what they do. So they've opened a store in Soho, and I believe there's other stores that they're opening. They've sent out catalogs. So they're doing a lot of the things that um, we saw as kind of next steps. So that's exciting.
1: When you give advice, and I'm sure you're frequently asked for for inspiration, Mm -hmm. for um, assistance by – by other women what what do you say like what's the number one tip you would give them I think
0: it's I think it's true for whether you know it's your life or business. It's just I think you have to keep things simple. I think in today's world, we've gotten we're in such this crazy frenetic world, everything's changing so fast, and I feel that. And I think that's one of the things we did with One King's Land. It was so simple and, you know, easy. Like everything was easy. When you went in you knew exactly kind of what was happening. And I think that's true. I'm finding that especially as I get older with my life. It's like a lot of the stuff you thought you needed, you know, you I just think you don't. Like, How do what?
1: working moms keep things simple though?
0: Yeah, it's it's hard. It's totally hard. I mean I, I did it my whole life. I was, you know, a working mom. I never was not a working mom. So um I think by choice. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I love, I love working. I mean, you know, there were moments that it's, it's always, it has its challenges for sure. Um, But I think it's, it's a, you know, you have to prioritize that's, you know, it's hard to do everything. And I think you have to sort of like recognize like that is going to be the case. And then you have to figure out within what you're doing how you can get done what you need to do and
1: what's important. And sometimes you have to just let stuff go, unfortunately. How has corporate America's, how has is, how is the office responded to women from when you were a working mom to how working mothers are being treated now? Oh my God, it's changed
0: a lot. Okay, so just to give you an example, when I was a, an executive in the fashion business, that's what I did for the bulk of my career until I started One King's Lane. Um, and I was, you know, on the executive team at, at a swimwear company and there, nobody had gone out. No, there was never an executive that had gone out of maternity leave. So when I first got pregnant, there was no maternity
1: leave. You're the second person this week to tell me that's really, yes. Oh, that's
0: so crazy. Yeah. So I basically created like, what the policies should be. They're like, well, what do you want? What do you want to do? So I said, well, this is what I want. And so, you know, by the time I had my second Would you second, have asked so, for more now
1: than what you asked I, for then? I, I think I, I did pretty well. I think <laughs> I did okay.
0: Um, but, you know, so by the time I had my second daughter, that was all in place. But, you know, I think—fast forward to, say, One King's Lane, and I think about, like, all the wonderful things that we did to support, you know. And it was interesting because when we were started and we were a young company— you know, people were single or they had just gotten married and we grew very quickly. There were no pregnant babies. We didn't have... And then as the company, you know, got older, people started having kids. And so that was, that was kind of amazing to watch to see, you know, what we did to support that. And, you know, we had, I don't... I can't remember, but, you know, special rooms where, you know, people could, you know, nurse and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which was awesome.
1: So I'd be interested to get your perspective about... the the um, let's say the wife at your company, and then that wife becomes a mother. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between the working wife to the working mom in terms of their productivity, their attitude about work?
0: The work. I mean, I'm not sure what you're asking. Okay, so for it.
1: instance, um, I find since I've become a mom, mm-hmm. I've become very compartmentalized. Right. You need me to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it fast. But I'm going to get right to the point. You're efficient. I'm very efficient. You have to be. And I get a lot done in the day. I'm exhausted by the end of the day. Right. But I'm, since time is now a luxury, um, I, I do do things differently. I think I'm a more productive worker, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not present as much. Mm. I don't have as much face time in the office. Right. Yeah. Uh, like, what would be your view of, of the changes you saw in women who had babies.
0: You know, maybe because we were a heavy I mean we were a heavy female. You know, we had men in our company but we were I don't know what the yeah. actual numbers were but we definitely had more women in the company than men. And maybe we were supportive of that fact. So like I can tell you like a senior person on the team had a pretty big commute and when she had a child um and everyone sort of understood, like, she's in the office from these hours to these, these hours. She has to leave to catch her train because she has to commute an hour and a half. So, like, if you need her or want her, like, know that you need to, you know, make hay during those hours. Right. And it works. Yeah, because she's also paying for child care. Right. But but <laughs> the point is, commute. is that, like... You know, she she knew that also. So Mm -hmm. she was efficient, too. I I think in a way it it works. I mean, yeah, maybe she would have liked to have hung out in the office an extra 45 minutes or whatever. But, you know, to your point, there's a lot to do. And she had to get home and do her other job. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think once people get it feels a little weird at first, but Mm -hmm. maybe because that's like, oh, wait, I can't see her at 530 or six. And that's when I had a situation. But with all those technology people are so accessible yeah. uh, that if you really had a you know a pressing issue you could get hold of them
1: for get in the groove <coughs> which Excuse is um, your uh, should I call it a website? What's it's the, a website. A website? Okay. Yeah, totally. You work hand-in-hand hand with a 27-year-old. I do. What is that like? I love it. It's so much fun. I mean,
0: I have to say, this is, I think, the ultimate example of bridging the gap, right? Uh-huh. So I feel like I learn every day from Brianna, who is this millennial, who is our resident <laughs> millennial. And I think she learned so much from from us as well. And it's been
1: fantastic. But, you know, what she wants to talk— like. Uh, how do you bridge what you both want to talk about? Because I'm assuming you're at completely different points in your life. So, how does a 27 year old perspective work on the website? Which is for, well, how did you describe it in the beginning of this podcast? Age defined? Age right. Yeah.
0: You know, well, first of all, I think in hiring her, I, I felt that she had. Um, and appreciation for older women so right so that would be important just in the initial hire like she's very close with her mother she has aunts that she's very close with family friends like she she actually came to the interview and she had all kinds of ideas you know based on her relationships mm-hmm. with older women in her life so that was that was a good start right and she understands social media and she understands <laughs> a lot more than social media but I think you know it's been interesting because she might put something out there and I would you know we have this conversation now she's gotten so much better but I'll say, uh, I don't think that four inch high high boot is going to really work for you know our customer. She's like, really? I was like, yeah, no, it's not really that comfortable for her. Okay, and then the next time she she might show me something. She goes, I love this, but it's not for us, you know. So she's learning sort of how to who who she is, our customer, and how mm-hmm. to speak to her. But I think it's also good she pushes us a little bit too, like you know when we're talking around at an at a editorial meeting and what are we going to write about. You know, she's very into fashion, and she's also into lots of other things. So she might bring up a something natural, organic wine, something that maybe we wouldn't have thought of. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's something she's into. Like, okay, let's talk about that. What is that? That sounds interesting. And part of what we're doing on Get in the Groove is trying to be uh, – a great source of information. So that was terrific to hear that from her.
1: I love the site. Yeah, oh, good. Thank I've, you. I've been on it a couple of times now. It's refreshing.
0: And we ha- we also have really great social media too. If you you know into Instagram, you should totally check out. Get in the groove one. It's fantastic. We do. I think we. It's fun. It's fun and it's inspirational. It's really good. Yeah. Susan Feldman, yeah. thank you so much for thank the time for and me. the this inspiration. Great.
1: Oh, great. Listen ad-free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Kudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.